And you may be seated. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not much on jewelry, but I'm going to wear this little uh, uh, bracelet, this little call to fall bracelet uh, that they handed out today. I'm going to wear it the next month in this series we're doing about prayer, because when I see call to fall, it's going to remind me that I'm called to fall and pray, bef uh, pray before the Lord. Whether it's on my knees or not, it's not the issue, but that it's a reminder to pray. And uh, this new series we're doing, actually, I want to make sure you got this prayer guide. This is going to be our notes today. And I'm going to encourage everybody to take it home. So if you didn't get one earlier, lift your hand right now. Ushers, help me out there. I see even a Pastor Travis doesn't have one. I see several here. Ushers, help me out here with some of these. They, they've got the offering back there. Yeah, they're going to help us out here. But keep your hand lifted just a second. Um, I want to give a shout out to the Gideons. I have a little Gideon Bible that I was given when I was 19 years of age. And I keep it in my drawer at church, and I wrote my name. It's a place where it says, My Decision to Receive Christ as My Savior. I wrote my name there on August 15th, 1976. And uh, I just want to just say thank you for what they do. Uh, we collect money for Bibles all the time in this little globe up here, and whatever you've given towards them today, now, or at the table, we'll probably add $1,000 to it and just say thanks. Give some Bibles to somebody else. Praise the Lord. Okay, this series is called Call to Fall. And it's about helping you have a more meaningful prayer life. Uh, we all know we need to pray. We all know prayer is important. I want to teach you how to do it. Uh, last week in our first message, we talked kind of the basics of prayer. Who do we pray to? Where do we pray? When do we pray? Why do we pray? But today I want to focus on the question that Jesus uh, was asked by his disciples when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We're going to go over what's traditionally called the Lord's Prayer uh, many of us memorized it as a child, but I'm going to suggest to you it can be a model prayer, not just a prayer that you recite every day, but a prayer that gives you structure for praying. Here's what I find in my life. If I don't have some kind of plan or structure, I go to prayer, and in whatever's in my mind, I pray for, and after about two minutes, I'm done praying. Any, anybody else like that? Oh, you're so holy out there today. I'm so honored to be in your presence. Uh, most of us, my experience is, if we pray in our mind, it's just a few minutes. We need a little structure, but we need some spontaneity. I'm going to use this ladder to illustrate the Lord's Prayer. The first step is going to be the way we approach God. The last step is going to be the benediction, kind of how we end our prayer. And what happens, you've got four petitions in the middle of this prayer. The first petition is, uh, let your kingdom let your, uh, come, let your will be done. The second is, give me daily bread. The third is, forgive me and let me forgive others. And the fourth is, keep me from temptation and evil. And there's a reason for these four steps, but I want to suggest to you that whether you've got five minutes, 15, 30, I had 20 minutes this morning before uh, I came to church, and I prayed through the Lord's Prayer in those 20 minutes, and it gave me some structure. Anyway, this is what it's about this morning, but I've got a video of one of our church members. She's three years old. Her name is Ava, and she's going to show you she knows the Lord's Prayer. So take a little peek here. I do. Do you? Mm -hmm. What is it? It's called the Lord's Prayer. It is. Mm -hmm. How does it go? It's, it's called our Father, who are heaven, how be thy name, the kingdom come, and will be done on earth, then heaven. Give us this day, our daily breath, get on trespasses, and forget those on trespasses against us. Small for we will 
primeval, and the power, and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I say that's pretty good. Tell your neighbor if she can do it, you can too now. <laughs> Why don't you pull out your little copy here? And again, I, I, I want this to become a part of the fabric of our lives. I'm going to ask you and encourage you to just put this in your Bible a few days if it's, you're not familiar with it until you've kind of memorized it. Now, we're going to say it together. This, the top part is from the New King James Version. It's a little older translation, but it seems to have a little, uh, I don't know, the English is easier to memorize for me than a lot of the modern translations. But I want you to just read this with me today. So that means together. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So see every verse there as a step up this ladder. But let's kind of explore it there. Let's, uh, we're going to begin with, with verse 9, uh, our approach. Uh, how do you start with God? Uh, if you're like me, if you have maybe done something wrong, you feel guilty and ashamed, you don't even feel worthy, you know, uh, how do you talk to God? Is he some stranger far, far away? Uh, do, do you, do you, is he like... One of these customer service hotlines, you know, and you call and you're on hold for 45 minutes. Is, is that what God's like? No. Our Father in heaven, and hallowed be thy name. Let's talk about those two things. How we approach God. We are praying to our heavenly Father. As a Christian, I am his child. God is all-powerful and holy. In other words, God can do something about it. And his holiness is what this word hallowed means. He's treated with honor and respect. But let's pause for just a moment and talk about God as our, our Father. Uh, Romans tells us this, Romans 8, 15, says, You received God's Spirit when He, say it, adopted you as His own children. What does that mean? The Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were a part of God's family. They, they were in His presence. They knew His voice. They had close relationship. Satan offered an alternative. And when they took it, it's like they were taken out of God's family. There was a wall, a separation, because sin came. And sin caused us to be separated from God. Well, what Jesus did on the cross when he died for us, sins were forgiven, and God adopted us back in his family. Uh, we're still created by him, but we don't have relationship with him. Uh, but notice this next phrase. Now we call him Abba, Father. Well, what does that mean? Abba, it's an Aramaic word, and our equivalent would be Daddy. It's a very personal term. It's an intimate family relationship. And I want you to think of a, a good daddy and his little boy or little girl. Uh, if you didn't have a great dad growing up, I'm so sorry. Uh, imagine what your heavenly father could be and you wish a dad was. Um, when I think of a good daddy, I'm thinking right now of my own son. He has a nine-month-old little baby. 
and uh, he's a great dad. I mean, he's not just mom, change the diapers, that's your job. Uh, he, he does everything. He changes the diapers. Uh, he wants that little boy to be a fishing partner one day. You know, he's already got his little fishing pole, and, and uh, uh, they're going to be buddies. They've got dogs, and you know, that dog protects him. But they took a, a picture of the, of the little boy in the swimming pool. So daddy bought him a swimming pool that'll actually become a dog pool one day. You understand how that works. But he bought a swimming pool for him, and he put that little boy in that swimming pool. Now, that child in that pool has no idea that if he falls aside and falls in the water, he'll drown and die. That child has no idea. But that daddy would never leave that child in a vulnerable place. I guarantee you he will never put that child in that swimming pool and say, I'm gone, I'm going out, to, I'm running to, to, to Sam's, or I'm going to Cabela's. He'd never do that. He knows the danger of the water. He's there in that pool. He gives him little toys to play with in the water. He splashes him a little bit. He's talking to him. You know, if danger came by, if a storm was coming, he'd grab that baby up and he would take him in the house. I want to suggest to you if you can see a parallel between your heavenly father and his love that he has for you and I. God cares for us deeply. God wants to spend eternity for us. God loved us so much that he made a way through Christ the Son to leave heaven and come to earth and die on a cross so we could have eternal life. So when you come to prayer, when you're approaching God in prayer, you're approaching your heavenly Father. And this word hallowed, I don't, anybody ever use that word hallowed? No, that's an old 1611 King James English word. But what it means basically is that to be treated with utmost respect and reverence. So when you're approaching God, even though he is, he is a dad, he's not daddy-o. Uh, let me, if I can illustrate the idea of, of hallowed or, or holy or sacred, uh, in the Protestant tradition, when we receive communion, we believe that it's simply bread and juice and we're remembering what Christ did. In the Catholic tradition, there's a doctrine called transubstantiation. And what it means is they literally believe that that bread and that wine, when blessed, literally becomes the body and blood of Christ. That's why if you've gone to a Catholic church, they take the common cup. Uh, if there's any left over when the people are done, the priest would drink it. And then he would take a, a white clean cloth and he would wipe it out because it is sacred. Now, can you imagine him, after the Mass is over, can you imagine him going to, uh, uh, taking that chalice, going to the refrigerator, filling it up full of ice, and pouring in some sweet tea? No, because that would be sacrilegious. That would be, well, in the very same way, when we approach God, we approach Him with reverence. We approach Him with reverence and awesomeness. We also approach Him with faith. Faith is a belief that, uh, like the Luke, for example, Luke 137 says, faith believes that nothing will be impossible with God. So when I'm talking to God, I'm doing more than wishing on a rabbit's foot. I'm doing more than just hoping, rubbing Aladdin's lamp. I'm talking to the all-powerful, almighty God that can do something based on what I ask. Uh, again, prayer, you remember if you were here last week, God has chosen prayer to have a very unique and distinct place in the world. Uh, if you can imagine if your, your truck was stuck, uh, you know, you've got a real man truck, four-wheel drive. Well, how many know four-wheel drives trucks, when they get stuck, they're really stuck? And if you can imagine you get a wrecker or a tractor to pull it out and you pull out a chain, well, imagine if that chain had been broken in half and you put one, one part to the tractor and one part of the other chain over to your truck. Well, how many know nothing's going to happen because the chain's in two pieces. But if you put a master link between those two pieces and strengthens that chain and makes them one, that tractor will walk it right out. For some reason, God has chosen the prayers of people to be the master link between the problems on the earth and the power in heaven. 
And this is what prayer is. But when we pray the way we approach God, another thing that's vitally important is prayer begins with worship. This whole phrase, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's a sense of worship to it. And if you know Psalm 100, Psalm 100 says, uh, come into his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So before, if I just look at myself as just a man, when I want to pray, I just want to tell God, I want to skip this first two steps and I want to get right here. I want to say, God, uh, I need some stuff. I want you to help me out. But that's not where our prayer starts. Our prayer starts down here with thanksgiving and worship. I did that this morning. I had about 20 minutes uh, waiting on my wife to get ready. And I, and I walked around my little prayer circle. And the first thing I did for probably three, four, five minutes is I thanked God. I thank God I was alive today. I thank God I was a part of a great church, that our services went well last night. I thank God that the Holy Spirit was going to be moving in our midst. And it set the tone. And if I could give one more illustration before we move on. Imagine your children or your grandchildren. Let's say your kids come to your house, Robert, and those grandkids are coming over, and what do they call you, Poppy? Poppy. Well, these kids are running, and the door's open, and they're running up and say, Poppy, I want a popsicle. <laughs> well, that's okay. You'd probably give it to him. They get a little older. Poppy, 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 I want $5. Poppy feels like an ATM machine or a refrigerator. Are you with me today? How much better if that child just runs up and says, Poppy, Poppy, I love you so much, and I'm so glad. Can you live at my house? Now, how many know that's relationship? Well, that's what God wants, and all this is the tone of the first step, our Father in heaven. Now, let's take the second step. This step, now we're going to look at four petitions. We're asking God for things, and I want you to notice what the first one is. Our first petition, what's it say? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the next one is going to be our needs, but this first approach to prayer is we're not asking God to do something for us first. We're praying for God's will to be done. I would encourage you to linger on this step. I would encourage you when you've got on this step, I do this every day. I pray for God's will to be done in my life. I pray for Linnell's life. I pray for my children's lives. I pray for my dad and my brother and their farm. I pray for things that are important to me. I pray for our church. Right now I'm praying for the Supreme Court justice nominee. Let your will be done there. I'm praying for immigration policy in the America. We're asking God's will to be done in these things in life. I have to pray for a big one that I want you to join me. Um, we were ready to uh, start our new building expansion and uh, our bids came back too high. Uh, I'm going to send you a letter this week with details, and I think we'll have a meeting next week after church, just update you and everything, but I mean, $2 million is too high. And that's just how much too high it was. That was not the other part of it. But anyway, we're going to pray, and we're going to find God's will. See, God's will is the center of what we're looking for. And I would suggest this too. When you're on this step, this is a great time to surrender afresh to the Lord. What do I mean by that? I'm going to read a scripture to you. Surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a mature thing that says, I want to obey the Holy Spirit and His Word. Romans 1, 7, look at this passage. Paul writes to all those in Rome, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the... Now why would the Savior of the world be introduced that way? What do those three names or titles mean? You know... 
his name was Jesus. That was a common name. Anywhere named Jesus. But it's preceded by Lord, which means master. Christ means Savior or Messiah of the world, the deliverer from our sins. But it's this phrase, Lord, that we move from when Christ becomes first Savior and then Lord. And this step indicates to me that it's a mature Christian that wants Christ to be first. Because before I ask God to pay off my house, before I ask God for a better place to turkey hunt, come on, are you with me today? The first thing I'm going to do is I want to realize I'm a part of the kingdom of God. And there's billions of people on this planet. There's people around the world. I told my wife after last service, I said, Honey, I want you to write a check for the Gideons. Why is that? Because they changed my life. And they're going to put Bibles in the hands of people I'll never meet till I get to heaven because there's something bigger than me in this life. It's the eternal kingdom of God. And this is our mission, reaching people for Christ. Well, that's all, that's all kind of a, a setup here in, in, in this step. Uh, our approach... Uh, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Now, how about this next one? Give us this day our... Now, this is the fun one right here. Yeah, there we go. This is the fun one right here. Because nobody has to tell me uh, what I want. I got a Cabello's catalog this week telling me duck season was coming. I already know what I want. Are you with me today? Nobody has to tell you what you want. Listen, in my, again, my little prayer life, I'm praying, you know, this very way. I'm approaching God. I'm praying His will. And then when I get to my desires and those kind of things, boy, I, I tell you, I'm asking the Lord for, for uh, things for our church. Uh, I walk around my little prayer circle, and I look at my, uh, uh, I have a little shed, uh, and it was an old one when I got there. It's older now. And I'm praying, Lord, would you one day let me do an extreme makeover on that? Uh, I walked past my, my uh, there was a little swing set, a little play set, uh, that a uh, little kind of a wooden thing that we bought when my child, when Rebecca was about two. And it's kind of old now. And I, I got a little grandson coming. So I say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be needing that thing there in about the next you know, year or so. Would you please supply some funds for that? See, this is what this part is. It's praying, give me my daily bread. And daily bread, it's money, it's material things, it's job. But guess what? It's also wisdom. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. God will give it to you. See, these were, the, and these, this is not selfishly praying. God wants you to pray for things in your life because it helps us realize that he's the source, but he just doesn't want you to do it first. He doesn't want you to run up asking for a popsicle. He wants you to recognize who your father is, know that he loves you, and uh, get kingdom business out of the way first. But then give us our daily bread. This is food, it's clothing, it's shelter, it's money, it's strength. It's peace. If you're in a time of your life where anxiety and fear are troubling you, uh, if you've got a big surgery coming up in a few days down the road, how I many know it's plaguing your mind? Guess what your daily bread is that day? It's peace. Well, this is where we pray for things. And let me say this to you. Prayer is not a gimmick to get everything you want from God. Prayer is not some means to just say, uh, 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 rub the magic lamp just right and out pops the genie. Prayer is a way we tell God about our needs and desires, but listen, we trust Him to answer the prayer. We trust Him to answer it in the way, the time, and the way, in the way that He wants to do it, not always the way we want Him to. How many know if God answered every prayer we prayed, we'd probably end up in trouble? I'll tell you a little personal story. My wife's not here, so I can tell this. She was here last night. I made her put her fingers in her ears. I was in love with this gal when I was about 20. It just happened to be the wrong one. 
I was in the Navy, and uh, man, I had God in my life. I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I had everything but a woman. I mean, you understand? And I tell you what, she was pretty. She was a dental technician. I'd have had clean teeth. Now, that would have been a good thing. And uh, I, I, I was caught up bad. I had the love bug. Well, she was in Alaska. The Navy saw fit to move me back to Moffett Field in California. And uh, uh, then they moved me off to uh, uh, Japan. Well, I'm telling you, I'm sending her presents in the mail. You know, there were, we didn't have text messages or email back then. But I was writing letters and everything. But the strangest thing happened. When, she, uh, when I left, uh, uh, left Alaska, she never communicated with me again. Every time I'd call, they'd say, she's not here. My letters would be returned unopened. And you know what I did? I got mad at God. Because I'd been praying that God would give me that woman. So God, I'm going to show you. I'm not going to church for a while. Lasted about two weeks, true story. But why am I telling you this? If God had given me that woman I wanted for a wife, I would not have gotten the best. Sometimes there's good, better, and best. And if you're on, it's not just good and bad. But if you're praying about good and better and your heavenly father knows the best, he may tell you no in your prayer. There's some things that we don't know what's happening in life. But if we will submit that to God, prayer is not a way just if you pray the right words in the right way with faith and the right confession, you're going to get what you want. That's kind of oriented around me. I think part of the reason for approaching first with God's will being done before our daily bread is to help us keep the focus that he's God and we're not. Come on, tell your neighbor he's preaching better than we're meaning today. But let's go to the next step. Our approach to God is our Father, his kingdom, daily bread. What's the next one? For, forgive. Yeah, it's, it's high up here. Forgive us. Put it up here. I can't read my. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us our debts or sins as we or in the same way we forgive our debtors or those who sin against us. Now, why is that so important up here? I, I will say this, though. Sometimes when I, my prayer life starts uh, and I get up, if I have sinned, if I let some things in my mind or whatever get away from I knew it was wrong, I start out confessing my sins because I feel dirty. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One of the greatest feelings in all the world, one of the most important feelings in all the world is guilt. Because if you can sin and not feel guilty, it means you've hardened your heart against God. And when you have that feeling that I've done wrong, you want to bring it to God. And the most wonderful thing, you don't have to pay, do penance. You don't have to uh, make some atonement. You come to Christ and ask for his forgiveness and ask for his grace to change you. This is vitally, vitally, this step, I guess, vitally, vitally important that we get this, I, I want to say, out of the way. Because if you don't, sin will kink the hose. Sin will affect your relationship with God. And let me add this to not only forgiveness for what I've done wrong, we need to forgive and bless people who have sinned against us. This goes back because if we don't, we will become offended and bitter people. You say, why you say that, Pastor? Because after the Lord's Prayer is over, the, the next verse says this. If you forgive, 
those who sin against you, what's it say? Your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father won't forgive you. Well, guess what happens if you're not in, in, in unforgiveness? Lots of bad things can happen. It won't be just your spiritual life gets hardened, but 1 Corinthians 11 tells us what can happen with offenses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, he's talking about communion, and it says if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, in other words, you're in conflict with other Christians, you're eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself, and that's why many among you are weak, sick, and some have even died. This is why this step is so important, is because just as we've been forgiven, we want to forgive other people. Forgiveness, listen, I want mercy for me and judgment for you. Now, come on, doesn't that seem fair? How many feel the exact same way? Sure, when I do you wrong, I want you to say that's okay. But when you do me wrong, I want you to pay me back or I want to get... You're getting quiet. Let me say one more thing about this idea of forgiveness. Uh, I, I'm going to use the term. It's a big term. Uh, it's called identificational repentance. You say, what in the world is that, Pastor? It means confessing and asking for forgiveness for sins other people have committed. Now, I don't have time to dig deep into this, but listen, if you've got 10 minutes in prayer, you don't have time for stuff like this. But if you can allow God an hour, isn't that what Jesus asked the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane? Could you not tarry with me for one hour? If you can give God for one hour, you've got some things where you can pause like this. And if you would read Nehemiah chapter 1 or Daniel chapter 9 verse 3, you would see in Daniel's case, he realized that the 70-year prophecy of Jeremiah was almost up and that God was about to do something major in the nation, just like under Nehemiah. But what he did, he didn't start packing his bags. He said, God, would you forgive the sins of my nation? That's a powerful, powerful way to pray of covering the sins of the nation. How many know people that are doing crazy, insane things? They're doing them because wickedness has a hold of their hearts. And they need God's revelation and God's forgiveness. Well, let's look at the next one out, the, the, the last petition. And this is the big one. Again, our approach to God is our Father with faith. Whoa, Nelly, come on. Your kingdom to come, daily bread. I'm not going all the way up. That'd be too great a temptation. Forgiveness, and what is that right there? See, if I stood up right now, that would be too great a temptation, right? I mean, and I could just fall over because what's this say? Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Somebody sent me a picture last night. They were sitting right over there, and I'm standing up here, and it says, call the fall on the back there. And, 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 uh, and I, I just ignored it. But I don't know why he left temptation and the evil one on top. But the bottom line is it's there. Is it just possible, if my, in my latter illustration, the higher up we go, the more danger we can cause in our lives if we have neglect? Temptation. A better way to... Well, this, the older translation says, don't lead us into temptation. Clearly, the Bible teaches that God will never lead you into sin. A better translation is, don't let us yield or give in to temptation. Uh, temptation, by definition, you see, it, it, temptation will lead us to sin. Sin has the power to destroy us. So we're asking God to help us avoid temptation. By temptation, it means to entice you to do evil. By offering something that appears good, 
but in reality is destructive. It appeals to our weakness and awakens our desires. Desire can be awakened like that. You don't believe it's true? Let there be a pop-up on your computer. Let there be a scene in a movie pop up, a sexual scene. And just like that, lust is awakened and you could act almost immediately. Don't get so quiet and still out there now. <laughs> temptation, this is the way temptation works. Um, when I was a, a boy, 14, I, I, I loved to fish, lived in the country. Every pond there, I knew where to fish. Uh, I, I got a Mitchell Garcia spinning reel for my birthday. And I'm this 14-year-old kid, went out with Uncle Earl fishing. And I, I took everything in my box because fish were spawning. Uh, my birthday, April 24th, you might write that down. But, um, <laughs> but, but the fish are spawning, and this bass, she's under a willow tree in the shallow water, and you could see her fins sticking up on her nest. You could tell she was a nice big, big fish. You know how fishermen do. I took everything in my box. I took black worms and red worms and I took spinner baits and I took everything in my box and just ignored me and I would pull it right in front of her mouth but my uncle Earl was there and he had brought some live minnows so I take a gold hook that shines in the sun put it in that little minnow and then just start doing this in front of that fish and all of a sudden there's an explosion and she is tempted for the fish and she gets the hook and before you know it there's a proud 14 year old holding this six pound bass on the bank that's exactly how temptation works. Temptation has the power to destroy. Satan will never come to you and say, uh, look at the hook. He'll say, look at the fish. Let me read the story in, in, in Genesis quickly. Genesis 3, verse 1, the first temptation, the serpent was very shrewd. Somehow Satan had embodied or, 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 or gone into, I don't know, but somehow this serpent uh, was the voice piece of Satan and he talked to Eve, but verse 6 says, she saw the tree was beautiful. This is where we get in trouble. Anything that's sensual, anything our senses pick up. She saw this forbidden fruit was beautiful. It looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. In other words, he lied to her and promised her that God was holding something back. So all this on this sensual level was a temptation. She took of the fruit and ate it, and then everything fell apart. They put fig leaves. They knew they're naked. They're hiding. The next thing you know, they're out of the garden. The next thing you know, one of their kids killed each other. And then one day, even one of both of them died. So that's how temptation works. And that's why Jesus wants us to pray against it. And I had to confess in the first service that in my prayer life, I had not been doing that in a while. I don't know why. I guess because I just didn't have the guide at work. Are you with me? I was kind of more going with my feelings. And as time in prayer gets a little less... But I realized that I was fighting temptation, but I was fighting it in my own strength. I know the difference between right and wrong, and it was growing in an increasing struggle. And now, whenever I feel the temptation come to me, immediately I say, Lord, deliver me from this temptation. You see, it's not just in my morning prayer, but it's any time the tempter comes to me. You see, we're to be constant in prayer. And the last phrase that he said is, deliver us from the evil one. I want to tell you, friends, the Bible says that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's not just somebody else. It's you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your ministry. He wants to take your life. He wants to destroy your Christian testimony. He wants to do anything he can to make your life miserable and unproductive and unfruitful. And I want to tell you, friends, we need to pray against him, and you are not helpless when you pray. First John says, greater is he that is in me, come on then, he that is in the world. 
The Holy Spirit is alive and at work in you. Let me just read this before we wrap up, and I don't have much time to comment, but Ephesians 6 talks about this battle. Ephesians 6 says, put on the whole armor of God. Now imagine the Roman soldier, you know, the greatest fighting man of his day, adorned from head to toe with protective weapons and offensive weapons. Put on the whole armor of God, Christian, so you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In other words, God says there's a way that you can be protected so you can fight. And then he says, wake up, verse 12, don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What does that mean? That means the problem that we're dealing with is often not the problem. There's something spiritual going on. You see, you, you may look at politics in particular, Supreme Court nominees. You may be work, looking at these, and you may be thinking, how in the world could these things be happening? Well, I tell you, my friends, there's spirits that are at work in the world today. That's the battleground, and people are pawns. But notice what he says, verse 14, stand therefore. How do you stand? You put on the belt of truth. This is the truth of God's Word. The breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, protects us. It covers our heart. On your feet, put shoes the, called the gospel of peace as you go on mission with gospel shoes. Look at verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the, the shield of faith. Notice what he says your faith can do. It can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. In the Roman era, their shield would be leather on the outside. It would be dipped in water. And when they would shoot arrows that had fire in them, they would go and they would be put out. Well, you're able to put out the devil's attacks with your faith and the truth of the word. The helmet of salvation, presumably to guard our, our head and our thinking. But notice what it said. Here's the offensive weapon. The sword of the spirit, which is the what? Word of God. So you are fighting Satan just like Jesus did in the 40-day temptation when Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. But notice what he said verse 18. All that was so we could do what? Pray. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, one of my messages is going to be dedicated to this phrase. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? How can I do that? How can I engage that? With all prayer and supplication, notice what it says. In your prayers, keep alert. Because the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you in prayer. With perseverance, which means keep it up, don't stop praying. So that's just a little bit about this step. And the last thing I might add, if you've got some time on this one and not just praying for yourself... Pray against the demonic spirits that are loosed in our community. Spirits that are behind violence, that are behind murder, come on, behind drugs. Spirits that are behind racism. Spirits that are behind division. Let me know there's demonic activity there. And God needs the link in the chain to hook up his power to the truck that's stuck in the mud. That was a great time to say amen. amen. Let's close up on the benediction here. This is the last step. And I'm not going to get up there. Because if I did, I would probably just go into heaven. <laughs> no, if I got all the way up there, the ladder police would arrest me. But notice what it says. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So what is that? It's an ending simply that just, again, it embodies faith. It's all about you, Lord. You can do it. I give praise to you. I'm thanking you in advance for what you're going to do for me today and what you're going to do through me. Because you know what that word amen means? Amen means 
so be it. It is your faith to believe in the prayers that you pray. You've turned them over to the will of God, and you've advanced your ki- the kingdom of God, and you've made your life a better life to live. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. Well, listen, let's close this way. We're going to do this in this call to fall. If you didn't get one, you can pick one up in the lobby. But we're going to just take a few minutes every in our services for the next few weeks and just pray. Today, we're going to pray for our city. Uh, this idea of call to fall, it began on the 4th of July. Thousands of churches across America were simply asked to do this in their congregations to get on their knees for five minutes and ask God to come and move in their midst, move in the nation. And I'm going to ask you to join me right now. If you're able to get on your knees, if you can kneel, that you just join me this way. Otherwise, just bow your head where you are. And we're going to start with prayer. And I'm going to ask you first, right where you are, I'm going to ask you to pray for your city. If you live in Texarkana, I want you to start praying for Texarkana, USA. If you're in Dequeen or Ashdown or Queen City, start praying for your city right now. And after about a minute, someone on the stage is going to come and they're going to lead in the next part of this prayer as we ask God to come and be the link in the chain for us and hear our prayer. Start praying for our city right now. just thank you, Lord, that you know all the needs that are here, Father God. God, the prayers that are not even asked, God, you already know, Father God. And Lord, for the lost that's out there, Lord, and for our city, Father God, I just pray, Lord, that the vision that's here, Father God, that, Father, the words say that you roam to and fro, Father God, to show yourself strong, Father God. Lord, I just ask you, Lord, that You show yourself strong today, God. Be God, Lord. Be big in the situation, Father God. Lord, there's so many broken hearts here today, God. Lord, and all over our town, God, meet those needs, Lord. Jesus, I just want to pray for the younger generations of Texarkana that as they go, they'll walk through their schools, Jesus, that they greet everyone with just a heart of love and a heart of compassion, Jesus, and that they just not center themselves away from everyone else, but Jesus, that they have a heart like you. Jesus, Jesus, I just pray that they stop finding their identity in things like social media and that they find their identity in things like you, Jesus, and that they may have fallen away to temptation and different things like that, but Jesus, that they know it's not about how they ran from you, Jesus, it's how they run back to you, Jesus. It's how they run back to you. 
A lot of people felt at the beginning of this year that 2018 was going to be the year of miracles. And like Miss Linnell was saying, we feel sometimes that our prayers just aren't being heard and they aren't being answered, Jesus. But we just have to know and we just have to stay strong and have courage in you, Jesus. Our faith is what brings miracles, Jesus. Our faith in you is what brings miracles, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you and, and praise you that, you that you're here. And we thank you, Lord, that we may be really small, but we thank you that you're a big God that listens to our prayers, God that hears us. And that not only hears us, but responds. And we just come before you this morning and we pray that our city, the city of Texarkana, this region, Lord, wouldn't be a region that's um, identified or defined by the chaos that is going on in our society and our culture, God. But Texarkana, USA, would be a city that's defined by you, that's defined by your gospel, that's defined by peace, that's defined by, by love and, and by your word, that's a place that's defined by the gospel. And it's a place where people are not only telling the gospel, but it's being accepted by men, Lord. And we just come before you and we just rebuke violence in this city, God. We pray for peace between individuals within society, God, that they would respect authority, God. And we pray for the authority figures in, the, in, in this city, that they would learn and, and, and know how to honestly exercise their authority in a manner like yours, Lord, that they would recognize that all authority has been given to them by you. And we pray, God, that lawmakers and people that are, have uh, power within this uh, region and city would not only make decisions on their own bias or opinions, Lord, but they would look to you and what your word says, and they would look for guidance and wisdom on what to do and how they should operate within the community, Lord, and that they would give you glory, Lord, not only uh, privately, but publicly as well. In Jesus' name, we give all these things to you. Amen. We pray for those that are incarcerated in our area. Lord, if they'll have an encounter with you, we pray Bible. Uh, it'll be like Bible universities in our jails, Lord. There'll be Bible studies. Lord, bless the chaplains that go. Bless the Gideons that go. Bless the many people that go into the jail system, Lord. We pray for those that aren't behind physical bars but are trapped with drugs and alcohol and, and fear and the different things. Lord, we pray you'll set them free. Bless uh, ministries like Celebrate Recovery and those that are leading and the other churches that are doing those. And we just declare freedom over this city in Jesus' name, and we bless you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close. I want our altar team to go ahead and come down here and, and line up. And if you want prayer for anything, if there's anything you want to agree on before you leave, whether it's healing your body or you want to pray for somebody or a situation, please come and get prayer. A reminder that, uh, you know, right after service in the Connect Cafe, we're having a very short meeting, just an interest meeting. If you might be interested in leading a small group meeting, assisting one, or offering your home up, and uh, there's no commitment. You don't even have to finish the crust on your pizza. You can just no commitment at all, but just listen a little bit about the heart of this ministry. And it'll, again, it'll be a short meeting. The very last question is, when you pray our Father in heaven, is he really your Father? Because that's the most important thing. Are you 100% sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? And then the way you do that is you say a short, I, I said a short prayer to ask Christ into my life. To repent for my sins, just say, Jesus, come into my life. And then my life began to change. Because I used my prayer I used to pray, the only prayer I knew was our Father who art in heaven. The Lord's Prayer, for I learned it in football. And I would just try to say it really slow if I really meant it. But after I accepted Christ into my life, 
Now it's more like a relationship. I'm talking to God like a friend. He's walking and talking with you. Don't miss out on that opportunity. If you've gotten away from God or you don't have things right with God, just meet me over at that cross right there, and we'll say a quick prayer, and let the God who created you come into your life and help you walk this life out. Amen. Pastor Zach will close us one time with a song here.